I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. It's easy to get carried away with a new business, especially one with a product that you really want to make bang. Make it do this. We can do this too. You like that? Well, we've got this. And suddenly it's all a bit unwieldy. And people say, I just want something simple. Put all that in a kitchen. And Charlie Biggum's learned all of those lessons. How about got macaroni cheese? It's such a lovely dish, but we'll use, let's use six different cheeses. And, and oh, wouldn't it be fun if we put just a tiny little pinch of truffle into that? And what we found with that specific, with, with that dish is, 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 you know, when we talked to consumers, they said, you know, we, we kind of, we love macaroni cheese, but you've just made it a bit complicated. The company that bears his own name was founded in his own kitchen in 1996, where he used to deliver a handful of dishes himself to stores on his bicycle. Now he has 700 employees and a vast range of meals, from chicken and mushroom pies you stick in the oven to pan-fried pad thais. The company has expanded and innovated, but not everything's hit straight away. And if I'm honest, you know, we, we just started doing them about six months ago. I was actually in a meeting yesterday looking at the numbers. We don't really stack up actually at the moment. I'm David Marsden from the Evening Standard. We're going to be talking to Charlie about the early days of his business, why the UK's adventurous eaters make a better market than, say, France or Italy for a startup meals company, and why keeping it simple works so well. But the first thing I want to know is... What's the best-selling dish on the Charlie Bigger menu? The best-selling dish we have is our fish pie, our fantastic fish pie. Yeah? Has it always been the fish pie? No, it hasn't always been. It probably has been for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be quite hard to knock it off its perch. Why is that? Because it's very, very good. And people, people like to eat fish pies but they don't really like to cook fish pies because it's quite a fiddly thing to do to cook a fish pie yourself at home. And, and it's also, it's quite hard to find, you know, it's not the easiest thing to find really high quality uh, fresh fish. So, so yeah, it's a very popular dish. In fact, our most popular dish. I'm, I'm interested that it's been popular for around about 10 years because I, I'm guessing in, in a trade like yours, though, tastes must change. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, actually. I, I think tastes actually change a little bit less than we think. So there are, I mean, I'm lucky enough, I spend quite a lot of my time in London. And I think London is, is, you know, one of the most incredible cities in the world. You know, it's definitely in the top three in the world. But but it, it has this extraordinary 
you know, food culture and restaurant culture, which is, you know, which actually relatively new. I mean, I can remember when that wasn't there, um, but it's really built over the last 25 years. And so this kind of constant, if you live in or near London, there's this, you're, you're, there's this constant experimentation of new cuisines and new restaurants opening the whole time. But we, our food we sell all over the UK. And actually, you know, our tastes as a nation have changed relatively little. I mean, our other really high selling dishes, you know, lasagna. And lasagna would have been a top selling dish. You know, if you looked what the nation was eating 25 years ago, lasagna would have been right up there. Uh, chicken tikka would have probably been right up there 15 years yeah. ago. And that's another big selling dish for us. Our tastes change more slowly than we think, but I do think we're very fortunate in the UK. We don't have the, you know, I mean, I love the food of Italy or France with those, you know, with their sort of hugely long culinary traditions, which go back hundreds of years. Um, but it does mean the flip side of that, if you're in Italy or France, is that they are very conservative with their food. Very conservative. How do you mean? Well, I mean, so you wouldn't, so in Italy, it's quite hard to go out in Italy not to a restaurant serving Italian food. Of course, yeah. Um, and I kind of get why, because they've got the most wonderful food and uh, traditions yeah. and ingredients. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I love it that I can be in London and I can go to a Sri Lankan restaurant one day and a Thai one the next and a Middle East, you know, a, a, a Persian restaurant the next day in Turkish. You've just got everything in London. And we're very, we are open to experimentation. Is that good for a company like yours then working in the UK because people in Britain are willing to try out all these different experiences. Could Charlie Bigham work or, or could it have been founded in, in France or Italy? I think it would be much harder. I think it would be much harder. I mean, in, if I think of Italy, you know, I mean, yeah, you speak to any Italian and they'll, they'll have, and they'll be, they will say, oh yes, well, one of the dishes I, I, I cook is a carbonara. But, and the carbonara, this is how you cook carbonara because this is how my nonna taught me how to do it. And, and that's how, and she passed that down to my mum and, and my mum's passed it down to me. And so you're quite, you're a little bit restricted by those traditions. I mean, they're wonderful traditions. Whereas I think we have a little bit more license to experiment, which is great. Charlie, who taught you how to cook a fish pie? Because I know when uh, you have many, many chefs these days, I'm sure you're not in the, in the kitchen making a fish pie, but who taught you how to cook? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cook, not a chef. And, 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 I, and I guess that sits at the heart of our our business and our food philosophy. We're not trying to be chefy and fancy and do reductions and foams and all those lovely, incredible things you get in restaurants, which are sort of theatre and lots of fiddling around. Uh, we're, we're sort of, we, we try to cook food as you would at home, um, you know, really careful with the ingredients we choose, no ultra processed nonsense, you know, just stuff you'd find in your cupboard at home, super fresh very careful with our suppliers where it comes from. And then we cook it as you would at home. And I'm, I'm, a, self, I'm a self-taught cook. I've never worked in a restaurant. No one's ever given, I've never had a cooking lesson in my life. Uh, but I love cooking. And so yes, I've made lots of mistakes and that's part of cooking, that's fine. And, and obviously it's been a complete joy for me working uh, here in this business for, 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 near, for more than 25 years because I learn something new about food every day. Yeah. On the ingredients, I was reading that initially, when you first started out, some of the dishes were quite complicated and there were quite a lot of ingredients. And then you pulled that back. Why did you do that? Well, I think, 
I mean, I think it, it, it's. I think it's it, you know if you're if you I'm a food enthusiast and you kind of say you say oh well look should we do a macaroni if we're going to do a macaroni cheese so how about God macaroni cheese it's such a lovely dish but we'll use let's use six different cheeses and and oh wouldn't it be fun if we put just a tiny little pinch of truffle into that it would um, be actually <laughs> it would be and then you do that and you end up with this quite complicated dish and then you go and we we talk to our you know customers a lot our consumers and. And what we've found with that specific, with, with that dish is, 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 you know, when we talk to consumers, they said, you know, we, we kind of, we love macaroni cheese, but you've just made it a bit complicated because, I mean, my partner loves truffle, but I don't. And so then we talked to them a bit more and they say, well, what do you really want from macaroni cheese? Do you know, we just want it to be really lovely and cheesy and comforting and a little bit of crunch on the top. So then we sort of pair it back and just say, do you know, let's, if it's macaroni cheese, let's, you know, let's let the cheese do the talking. It sounds so obvious, though, doesn't it? But I guess, I mean, with founders across all kinds of industries, you often see that with startups that they throw everything at it, bells and whistles and yeah, USPs, yeah, and we're yeah. going to do this and we're going to do that. And then yeah. kind of go, do you know what? We never needed to do any of that, did we? Well, I think we, you know, what we try and, if you like, I guess every business have to have, have a point of difference. And it's quite easy with when you're in food, as you say, well, our point of difference is going to be the recipe, what we, you know, the magic ingredient we put in. We want, we've actually sort of settled on our point of difference, just doing it really, really well. Yeah. Let's just concentrate on making it really, really well. Every ingredient that goes into our food, let's make sure it takes, every ingredient is perfect. And that means, you know, and this is a great pleasure for me, you know, it means me spending lots of time with our suppliers. So, you know, we don't just use any old cheese. We don't just say, oh, well, let's buy some cheddar. We say, well, who makes the best cheddar in the UK? I mean, we happen to be, uh, one of our kitchens is, uh, our main kitchen is down in Somerset. So we're right in the heart of, of cheese country, right in the heart of cheddar country. And, you know, we work with a lovely family business, um, which is only about five miles from where I'm sitting now, called Barbers, who I think make, you know, uh, some of the finest uh, cheddar cheese um, known to man. It's like, well, why not use that? Do you know what? That must be that must be a day that you look forward to when you're going out to the suppliers and you're going to have a little taste of something, maybe something new. I mean, you might not have this, but do you have a memory of something where you've tasted something that you hadn't done before and thought, wow, that is incredible? Oh, the whole time I'm tasting things. I mean, you know, weekly I taste something. God, that's just fantastic. But it's not just going, it's not just going, you know, because I think it's kind of really good getting under the skin of it. So, you know, when I go and, and see Giles and Chris at Barber's, you know, we'll go, we'll go out into the fields and meet the cows, you know, <laughs> uh, because I want to know, I want to know what, you know, what are the cows eating and, and what, what, what's the, what's the, you know, what variety of cow have they got and why have they, why have they got these, you know, why do their cows look like this? And they're, they're, you know, they're, they're a special, you know, it, because they've been, that's what they've been doing for, for, for years, for generations, is they've been saying, you know, we've got to, to make the best cheese, you need to like, you need to have fantastic grass and you need to, if you cross this species with cow and that species of cow, they're going to produce the very best milk and da, 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 da. It's just fascinating. 
Right. There's been a learning thing for you then, Charlie. Is that what keeps you going? Learning about different things and discovering new things rather than sitting in front of spreadsheets and checking, oh, yeah. checking the money coming in? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I love, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I think, I think we all love learning. I think we're, you know, that we're, that's just us as a species. We like learning stuff. I actually quite like the numbers bit as well. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm fine with numbers. And, and kind of, I think if you run a business, it, is imp- it, it really helps if you feel comfortable around numbers. And, you know, so I'm comfortable with numbers. But yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sustain my interest over this long period of time if it was, you know, numbers alone, if I was selling widgets. No, but you, I mean, you've had some pretty comfortable looking numbers over the last recent years. Did it start like that? Did it immediately explode? Did you go, wow, this is going to do well? No, 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 no. We're, we're a, you, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a sort of, if we're successful at all, it's a sort of, you know, an overnight um, 25-year success story. <laughs> um, so, no, we, we started, you know, on my kitchen table at home and we've just grown every year a bit. Probably over time, I was going to say, keep, we've kept focused on what we do. I actually think what we've actually done is we've become more focused on what we do over time because it's really hard. You know, we work, we, we work in this super competitive environment. You know, it's one of the most competitive food markets in the world, in the UK, fresh food. Um, and, and, you know, I think everything is very competitive these days and it's really hard to be good at just a few things. If you're trying to be, if you're trying to be good at several hundred things, that gets really hard. And yeah. I've tried that. It's really hard. And, you, know, you just make a, you make a mighty mess of it. So it's, it, it, it's good to sort of focus in and say, what are we going to try and be good at? Anyone fancy some food? I'm going to rustle something up. Maybe a fish pie? While we wait, here's some ads. And why not take this moment to hit your follow button so you never miss an episode of How to Be a CEO. It's out every second Monday, first thing in the morning. But if you're following, new episodes will be waiting for you whenever suits you best. Hit the button. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now 
wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Why did you do it in the first place? Because, I mean, you you had a a fairly comfortable, I think, salaried position. You were doing fine. Well, I was... No, I mean, I think, you know, money is, money is, a, is, is, we all need money to pay the bills and all of that. And so I, I you know, never say money is not important because that's, a, I think it's a yeah. silly thing to say. You, you kind of need some money. But I, I was a management consultant. I, I actually really enjoyed being a management consultant. I learned a lot. I was learning a lot. But I was at, ultimately, I was uh, not very good at working for someone else. I didn't really like being told what to do. Ah. And I had a few ideas of my own. And I just had a hunch that I might, you know, I might be, it might fit with who I am to set up and run my own business. And I, that was a good, that was a really good decision. But why this one? I mean, what made this one go, do you know what, I need to do this? So actually, really simple. Because I'd sort of, you know, with my consultant's hat on, I was like, well, there's this market. And I sort of did a bit of that. And then I kind of thought, well, what do I really love? What do I really enjoy in life? And it's like, well, actually, I really enjoy food. I love cooking. I love eating. I love buying food. I love, you know, finding out about food. And I think I, I talk to quite a few people now, you know, young people especially. And I kind of think it's really great if you can find something uh, in your work that you love. It, 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 it's, it just means... You know, it's not a chore for me coming into work. It's a joy. And and it also sustains you because, you know, you're not thinking, oh, I've got to turn up to work again. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, great, I'm going to work. What am I going to learn today? I get the feeling kind of looking at some of the things I've read about you that there's there's always been a bit of an adventurer about you. You were off doing all kinds of travels around the world, checking out different things. Was starting a business part of that kind of adventure spirit? For you. I think I have quite a lot of curiosity and I think you know curiosity can you can sort of divert that into travel or food into lots of things but I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a naturally curious person I, I enjoy being curious and 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 I'm and, and you know and I think one of the nice things as the business has grown you get I mean I love food and that's at the heart of what we do but I'm also curious about robotics machine learning you know and these are things we're having to find out about now i'm very curious about climate change about sustainability about you know and and actually one of the you know again you know when i say i learn something new every every week i i learn a lot about food but also i learn about you know a whole breadth of stuff but just thinking about all of those things you've mentioned there you mentioned there, robotics, climate change. Does your company have a role to play in those areas as well? Are you using machinery? Are you thinking about climate change when you're creating new products? Of, of course, of course, it ha- of course, we have a role. We're not a huge business. We're a sort of medium-sized business now. Um, we employ you know, about seven hundred people, uh, but. You know, when it comes to robotics and stuff, you know, there, there are some things that are sacrosanct to us. When it comes to making food, we believe we make the best food by making the food by hand. But there comes a point, you know, when we've got to, when we've got some of our lovely fish pies, and those fish pies have to be put in a cardboard box, and that cardboard box has to be put on a pallet, and that pallet has to go into a warehouse, and that warehouse has to go onto a lorry. And and actually, do you know, 
That doesn't need to be done by a person. A robot, a machine will do that better than a person. So, um, and they're not great jobs to be done by people. You know, that's not a very rewarding job to be just standing there putting fish pies into a box. So, so what we're really interested in doing is have creating really high value jobs, which are, which people enjoy doing. And, and so I'd like to divert people over time from picking up things and putting them in boxes to saying, actually, let's let machines take care of that. Yeah. And, and, then, and then you can actually come and, and work at the bit that really, really needs you, um, which is the food bit. So uh, are you saying that you can make that process, but without losing jobs at the same time? Oh, yeah, no, we won't lose jobs because we're a growing business. So it's just about, it's just about sort of moving people into high, high quality jobs. And actually, and, you know, and the jobs, you know, that, and, and, and it's not like all the jobs go, because what you then need, if you get into robotics and AI and all of that, you need some really skilled engineers. And, you know, it's quite cool if you have a, if you have a, a, a really clever robot and, and, and the robot is only clever because you've got some clever people programming it to tell it to do the right things, you know, writing the algorithms and all of that. So, so I find all that fascinating. I find all that fascinating. And that's, and that's kind of, that's society moving forwards. Um, and we're all part of that. And, you know, it's, it's unpredictable. We can't, you know, I mean, I mean just look, look what's happened in the last year with, you know, chat GBT. I mean, what, What's that going to do to all of our lives and our, our businesses? I mean, it's really quite hard to know, isn't it? But we've got to engage with it. But this must have been, you talked about unpredictability there, right? This must have been unimaginable when you were originally starting out there, making dishes in your kitchen, getting on your bike, I believe, and, and cycling yeah, yourself yeah, to take yeah. things out. Now you're thinking about robotics, about AI, about hiring skilled engineers for this company yeah. that began with a kitchen knife on a kitchen table. That's an extraordinary journey, if you take a second to think about it. It, it is, but actually, you know, I, I suppose partly because I come from this consultancy background, I was pretty, pretty you know, fine with, with doing a bit of, you know, basic IT, I guess. And I, I was really surprised when I started is that that wasn't used at all in the food industry. It was all done with, you know, pieces of paper and pencils. So, you know, to manage our, the complexity, I mean, our, our operation is incredibly simple, really. We buy a bunch of fresh ingredients, we cook them, we put them in a container, we send them out. But there are some complexities because we have, you know, 150 fresh ingredients delivered every morning with a, you know, and they're sort of deteriorating from the seconds, or in fact, even before they arrive with us. So you have to use them quickly. And so there's, there's actually, you know, tech, you know, some basic IT can really help you manage that complexity and make you better because it, it means stuff, you know, arrives fresher and you're not carrying stock overnight and all that sort of stuff. So I was, you know, I think in, in the early days, we were, we were definitely, we were ahead of most people in the food sector. And, and actually at the moment we have a, you know, we have a really, we have a great team in the business of about eight people now who are sort of just focused on that and trying to say, how can we really move forward on that and use, use some, you know, proper analytics and things to kind of understand yeah. how our, how well our kitchen's working and also, you know, um, analyze our sales and all of that so that we can make sure we're giving consumers, our, our consumers more of what they want. Can you remember to when you went back and, and made your first hirings? At what point during the company's evolution did you go, right, 
now is the time to to bring people in. And I guess what were you looking for then, and has that changed now? I think I think it's probably looking. You know, I mean, I I, I took my first person on in the first week because you know I did a lot to begin with, but I couldn't do it all. You know, it's it, it's pretty manual what we do what we do here, and so so we've always had, if you like, a disproportionate number of people relative to our size. You know, I mean, you can run a huge, you know. IT business with about five people, but you you can't run food business with five people. So, um, and I think I actually don't. Fundamentally, I don't think it's changed what we're looking for. I mean, first of all, we're looking for for people who'll take a punt with us, you know, because we're a bit different. We attract quite a lot of people, you know out of big corporate companies who've had fantastic training and they, they like, they, they sort of, that part of it, maybe they like that sort of corporate safety net, but are also frustrated by it um, because they feel, feel held back. So it's kind of come, come and join us and be released. Um, and I think the other thing that I would say is still the same is I, I, when I'm interviewing someone, what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for attitude and intelligence and, and I'm not uh, intelligence in its broadest sense attitude and intelligence to me is much more interesting than experience thinking about the products you've got now I was genuinely surprised that you've only just started doing side dishes what took you so long Charlie <laughs> well we've we've looked at it several times over the years and we haven't really managed to get it to stack up um, financially um, and if I'm honest, you know, we, we just started doing them about six months ago. I was actually in a meeting yesterday looking at the numbers. And they don't really stack up actually at the moment. But that's okay. That's okay because we've started. So now we'll, we'll sort of, we'll learn about that area more and, and, and we'll get better at it over time. It takes time. It takes time. I wonder why that is because you are a very established main meals yeah. provider. I, as yeah. a customer, was genuinely surprised the side dishes weren't there. How, I guess, do you get people to think about picking up the sides as well? These are presumably live questions for you right now. Yes, and I, and I think one of, one of the reasons um, we did the side dishes, actually, is, is because I, I think uh, there are quite a lot of people out there who, who enjoy going into a shop and, if you like, buying a whole meal saying, well, I'll have, I'll have the main, I'll have the side, I'll have the pudding. And, and, and we, we make main dishes and we make puddings. And so we were missing a bit. So we thought, well, and actually, we, we sort of make a few side dishes anyway. You know, we already made a Dauphinoise potato, for example, which was sold with our Boeuf Bourguignon. So it's like, okay, we make a really delicious, you know, potato Dauphinoise. Let's now just try selling it on its own rather than you have to buy the, 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 the Boeuf Bourguignon with it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, it's fun. It's fun sort of doing some new things. And I've got, you know, I've got lots of ideas. The chefs have got lots of ideas about how we move our side dishes on to a new level. I think we've started reasonably conservatively, um, but I think we, we should be able to do some great things with those over the years. And what's, what's been good for us, actually the demand for them you could have probably told me this, you know, several years ago, but the demand for them has been higher than we thought. So, so that gives us encouragement to spend more time and effort um, uh, 
doing a few more of them and doing it better. That was Charlie Begum. For more interviews, news and analysis, go to standard.co.uk forward slash business or pick up the Evening Standard newspaper. How to be a CEO will be back in two weeks. We'll see you then. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.